Hello, everybody. This is Alex Barthet with the Lean Zone podcast. This is part two of a three-part series taking a deep dive look into construction contracts. Last week, we talked about the right to stop work, notice an opportunity to cure, pay when paid, and price escalation. Today, we're going to talk about hidden conditions, delays, and consequential damages. And then in the next part, which will come out next week, we're going to talk about liquidated damages, caps on damages, indemnity defense, and hold harmless provisions. Again, if you have any questions about any of these provisions, uh, feel free to send me an email, alex at barthet.com. By the way, don't forget to check out contractdetective.com where you can upload your construction contract and it will scan it for these dangerous contract provisions and send you back a highlighted copy identifying each of these provisions with links to explanations of what those provisions mean and how they work. I hope you enjoy it. Hidden conditions, how to deal with things that you are unaware of during the course of the project. So this is favorable to the GC. The subcontractor has carefully examined the contract documents, the project site, soil conditions in the adjacent areas, the weather and climate conditions, has conducted any tests and investigations it deems necessary, and confirms to contractor that it can perform the work for the contract price and schedule in full compliance with all applicable rules, laws, and building codes. Pretty broad statement that says, don't come back to me later and say, well, I didn't know that fill in the blank, right? The, the, the other side is going to be able to say, yes, you did. You signed that you did. In, in an example that it, uh, I was with a client this, uh, this past week, and they told me a story, there's two towers that are going up in, uh, in South Florida. They are almost completed now. Uh, there was the, the current GC is the third GC that now has just been terminated. Again, these are each $100 million towers. So contractor one did the underground, uh, couldn't come to terms with the owner on the contract. Again, next major contractor comes in, takes one tower to, I think, like 34, the other one to 45, almost done. They couldn't come to terms, even after they built that much. And then that, they got terminated on a Friday. On Monday, contractor three comes in to finish the buildings. The contract provision that the contractor signed has a provision like this. So the, the owner is saying, I, look, you had from Friday to Monday on these two huge towers to determine that you're happy with whatever exists. And unfortunately, the contractor who really needed the work, because as I understand it, they had about 200 folks from three projects that were coming off jobs that they needed to keep busy, decided to take the risk and sign the contract. We're starting to get involved in that litigation because as I told you, contractor number three has now been terminated by the owner. So it's a mess. Uh, but just know that provisions like this could be used against you if you wanna claim that there's something that you learned now that you didn't know before. Uh, so here's a more favorable provision for you when you're asked to sign a provision like that. Um, the subcontractor shall promptly upon discovery and before any such conditions are materially disturbed, notify contractor in writing of latent physical conditions differing from those indicated in the contract documents or differing from those ordinarily encountered and generally recognized as inherent in the work of the character provided for in this contract. The subcontractor shall, at contractor's direction, promptly investigate the conditions if such conditions differ 
thereby causing an increase or decrease in the subcontractor's cost or schedule, an equitable adjustment shall be made. So it gives you a little more wiggle room that it just says, look, if, if I find something, I promise to tell you about it, but I'm not guaranteeing that I own whatever we may find, and if it costs me more, I have to eat it. So again, you want to soften the provisions. One of the things that, you know, this goes back to the question that was asked, you know, how specific do we want to be? If you look at this last sentence, this is typically a pretty kick-the-can-down-the-road approach. The parties will agree to an equitable adjustment, right? What does that mean? I don't know. Are you going to get a week? Are you going to get a month? Are you going to get $1,000? Are you going to get 100000 Who knows? It just means it's not nothing, and we can deal with it later. So you can use this as, you know, when you, don't, when you can't agree now, one of the strategies in your negotiation should be, well, instead of spending a lot of time now for something that may never happen, let's put in a little placeholder that says, we'll agree later. And this is one of the ways you can do it, an equitable adjustment. Equitable being the important word. It's got to be fair. So what does that mean? That means if we disagree and we go to court, the person that gets to determine what fair is is the judge. So that means we at least get to argue about it. But another one to watch out for is the order of precedence of the documents in the contract, right? So if we have a dispute, right, we don't agree because one document says one thing and another document says another. Or maybe one document is ambiguous and the other one is more specific. Which one are we going to use? More often than not, when someone hands you a contract, what it's going to say is whatever is higher, better, more, and is worse for you, that's what we're going to use. So if there's any dispute, if that's the last page of a document, if it's an exhibit to some other exhibit, that's what we're going to use if it's, if it's better for them and worse for you. So again, you only have so many things you can adjust in a contract in your negotiation, but that's one thing to keep in mind. What are the order of the documents? Normally what we see is that the subcontract is number one, the prime contract is number two, and then everything else falls off. Well, just know that the subcontract and the prime contract are going to say things that are generally better for them and, and worse for you. But that's how you have to deal with it. You've got to figure out where it is in the pecking order. Okay, next one, delays. How to deal with delays. If the contract, this is a provision that's favorable to the contractor. There's two of them we're going to talk about. This one talks about acceleration. If the contractor determines that progress of the work has been delayed or if the schedule is in jeopardy of not being met for any reason whatsoever, contractor shall have the right to require subcontractor at subcontractor's sole cost and expense to take whatever steps are necessary to remedy the situation, including without limitation, requiring subcontractor to accelerate the progress of the work. By increasing the workforce or hours of work, subcontractor shall within three business days thereafter fully implement the recovery schedule to bring the progress of the work back to the approved progress schedule no later than 10 days. So this says, if we think you're late, we can tell you to speed up and you have to. The next one uh, related to delays is what's called a no damage for delay provision. This probably exists in most every contract that's given to you. In essence, it means if you're delayed, you get time, you don't get money. Um, so it says, in the event subcontractor experiences delays, inefficiencies out of sequence work or lack of productivity arising from or related to the actions or inactions of the owner, its agents or, or other subcontractors, for reasons attributable to other causes beyond contractor's direct control, subcontractor's sole remedy shall be to seek an extension of time 
and contractor shall not be liable to subcontractor for any money damages. Time extensions will only be granted to contractor to the extent that the owner approves and grants contractor an equivalent time extension. Again, you'll notice if you haven't already, like contractors just want to be a pass-through, right? I'll pay you if the owner pays me. I'll give you a time extension if the owner gives me a time extension. So here's a, here's a way to deal with those provisions. Uh, in the event subcontractor experiences delays arising from or related to the actions or inactions of those outside of subcontractor's direct control, subcontractor shall be entitled to an equitable adjustment of the contract sum and contract time. Again, you see the use of the term equitable adjustment. You will never get a contractor to agree to some formula as you're negotiating a contract uh, on what to do if there's a delay, right? You have a fair chance of saying that you get an equitable adjustment because no one knows what that means. Maybe the, okay, we'll give them a little bit of money. But again, now you're in the game. Now we can argue about something. Okay, consequential damages. I am here to tell you that the most significant damages that can come or befall upon you, hands down, bar none, are consequential damages, okay? What are consequential damages? Those are the damages that flow from you doing something wrong, negligence, or breaching the contract. Let me give you an example. You install fire sprinkler pipe, you make a mistake, there's a leak, you damage a floor, you know, a room, a floor, an area, right? Uh, but now the hotel can't open, and it can't open for a month because the parts that got damaged because of the water are not available for a month. Uh, you know, they can't get the floor. Uh, some other thing that delays the opening of this facility. Now, if you're liable for consequential damages, what are you liable for? Well, maybe they were planning to open that weekend and they had uh, a big event. You can't do it. You're liable for that. They hired all the staff for the hotel uh, and they can't put them to work. They were uh, expecting to uh, sell out that weekend because it was Super Bowl. Uh, all of those things are consequential damages. If you think fixing that uh, leak was bad or because you were late were bad, just wait until you get the, the price for all of those other consequential damages. So what you'll notice in contracts that are given to you is that you agree to waive consequential damage claims against the owner and contractor, but there is not a reciprocal waiver of consequential damages for you. That's what you want. You want to have that reciprocal waiver. I'm gonna waive my claims for consequential damages against you, and you're gonna waive them against me. And that's what this does. Neither contractor nor subcontractor shall be liable for consequential losses or damages whether arising in contract, warranty, tort, negligence, or otherwise, including but not limited to loss of use, profits, business, reputation, or financing. So when you're reviewing your contract, you want to include a mutual waiver of consequential damages. So you know the standard AIA contract generally includes a waiver of consequential damage, mutual waiver of consequential damages, right? So it's not an unreasonable request. Um, also know, sometimes people say, well, you know, that's why I have insurance. Maybe some of those consequential related damages may not be fully covered by your insurance. So don't think that just because you have insurance, all of those things are covered. That is not necessarily the case.
Hello everybody, let me introduce you to the Lean-O-Matic, our Florida construction law calculator. This helps you understand what to file and when, depending on what role you have on the project and what type of project it is. You can get it for free at leanomatic.com. We'll send it to you in the mail, it'll take a few days. And this is a great tool to have so that you can always answer the question of what to file and when. You can get it for free at leanomatic.com. Hopefully you'll put it to great use.